How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Third Line Plug Sendscast. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. Joining me, as always, from the tropical metropolis of Calgary, Alberta, my co-host, Tim Jensen. Tim, how's it going, sir? Going pretty good. Making sure that everything works, I guess. <laughs> yeah, because this is the second time that we've tried to work Skype today. Yeah, first time, like, my computer just crashed, so I'm just running off my phone. Pain in the ass. Hey, you know what? It works, man, because you're coming in loud and clear. That's all I need to hear. Yep. So let's get right into the episode, Tim. This is Season 2, Episode 15, in chronological order. Episode 43, the Peter Regan episode. So what kind of memories do you have of Peter Regan? Remembering, thinking that every year, Peter Regan, this is going to be the year that Peter Regan's good. And it just never happened. Yeah. Yeah, it was always a bit of a shame. Because he always looked like he had the potential to be good, but just never really turned it around. Is it kind of like Colin White, or just sort of somebody other than than that? No, because it looks like Peter Regan, sorry, Colin White can is actually going to turn the corner. Well, he actually, well, he's already has. I mean, he's stepped up his game big time. But before this season, we were just looking at him like, I don't know, man. I don't know about this guy. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Whatever happened to Peter Regan? I'm not sure whatever happened to Peter Regan. I'm sure he's probably playing in Europe somewhere, I would imagine. Oh, he's in the K. Oh, is he? Oh, how about that? So, Tim, we've yeah. got to discuss the poll for next week's episode, Season 2, Episode 16, which is also known as Episode 44. We've got four big names on the board. We've got Patrick Eves, Mike Commodore, Jean-Gabriel Pajot, and Nate Thompson. Nate Thompson was at 44. Huh. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. And also, honorable mention to the late Carl Rakunik, who died in the locomotive plane crash. Yeah. Crazy. So how has your week been, Tim? Because we really haven't talked a whole lot this whole week, have we? No. Uh, honestly, it was pretty boring. <laughs> yeah, mostly just home. Like, Chelsea doing homework, me doing housework, and... Uh, some video games. Oh, yeah? Are you guys still playing the Tales of this? Is it Vesperia? Vesperia. 
Desperia. How is that game, anyway? I know you were talking about it last week, but can we get an update for this week? Uh, still fantastic. The game... Remember, this is a, like the remake of a 10-year-old game, right? So it's been fantastic from start to here, and the game gets better from where we are. Awesome. How many hours have you put into it so far, Tim? I want to say 10. How, how big of a game is that? Is that a 100-hour game? Or just lower? Yeah. About that? It, it's 100-hour, and I think it's 80 hours if you're not doing side content. Oh, Okay. Okay, I imagine there's probably a lot of side quests and all that stuff with that game, eh? Yeah, and the interesting thing about Vesperia is a lot of the side quests are very easy to miss. Really? Yeah, like it's... If you push too far in the story, they're gone. Hmm, and there's weird. somewhere... Yeah, but it's kind of one of those things, like if you're focusing on the main quest, you're going to miss a lot of stuff. So yeah, it's you got to know attention to what the characters are saying. Like there was one where it's like, oh, we should go back to this town. And if you do literally one more step on the main quest, that quest becomes instantly inavailable. Hmm. I don't know why they would do that, but I guess if your main focus is the the main quest, then your mindset probably isn't into the side quests. Hmm. Yeah, I know. My first time through the game, I made that mistake. So this time around, I'm like, nope. We're going down the side quest rabbit hole every time. Awesome. So I got to talk a little bit about my week because I've actually had a pretty eventful week. Um, I know earlier last season, I was talking about the guys at Taggart and Torrens podcast. They came Mm -hmm. to Victoria for a book signing. And this past week, they finally brought the podcast to Vancouver Island for a live show. And I went to both of them. How was it? Really funny. If anybody out there is interested in checking them out, I think they are in... I'm not sure where they are right now. I know that apparently their van got broken into in Picticton and all their gear and stuff got stolen. Jeez. So that's kind of shitty, but I highly recommend seeing it. It isn't for everybody. I understand that you do have to understand some of the references they make if you listen to the podcast, but you know, they do some really good impressions like Jonathan Torrance does a really good Stephen Page, former of the Barenaked Ladies, Mark Knopfler of Dire Strait. Uh, who's else he do? Gordon Lightfoot. He does a really good Gordon Lightfoot, so I highly recommend. And I also got my replacement, Taggart Torn Snapback Hat. Nice. So I'm guessing the big thing about this is it's, uh, if you're into music, you'll like this. Yes, because Taggart, formerly of Our Lady Peace, he used to play drums for them. Yep. Yeah. And formerly yeah. shot Avery's roommate. Yeah, and, that's, and you know what's funny, and I think I probably mentioned this last time that we brought up Taggart and Torrance, is that I asked Avery, or not Avery, I asked Taggart about that, and Taggart was going, yeah, he was a pretty crazy roommate, man. Mm-hmm. But, like, just everything you hear about Sean Avery, I would expect that to be the case. Yeah, and even Taggart, I think he even brings it up in the book that there's some crazy stories that even he did when he was living with him. But I won't spoil any of the stories. I'm going to let everybody go check out the book Canadianity if you're interested in checking that out. Nice. Yeah. So we got yeah. a jam-packed episode, though, hey? Oh, we do. But before we do that, let's talk about last week's episode because it was an okay episode, in all seriousness. The only problem is that GarageBand crapped out on me. And I think the reason why yeah. is because I got a power surge from my connector and it just sort of fried everything out. Weird. Yeah, because I remember, like, in the middle of a talk, 
like you could probably tell where the surge happened mid episode too, because we were in the middle of, I think one of us was in the middle of a sentence, and then all of a sudden you're like, "Hey Tim, uh, I think Garage Band's dead." Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, I think it was during the fourth game because I could hear feedback on my end. I'm thinking, "Oh God, why, why now?" And then it just sort of crapped on me. He's like, "Fuck! All right, I gotta record the rest of this on my phone." Yeah, shit. You know. To quote the great poet of our time, Steve Austin, we were trying to make chicken salad out of chicken shit, Tim. Rookie mistake, but... Well, I, you would think it's not a rookie mistake. We've been doing this for almost two years, years now. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. But you know shit what's happened. not a rookie mistake, Tim? Hmm? Segwaying into this little segment I like to call Top of the Hour. Nice. Damn, that was a good segue, Tim. Yeah. I'm very proud of myself. Pat on the back for that. Yeah, well done, well done. Thank you. So let's start off, and we're going to go to the tropical metropolis of Calgary, Alberta, because the Calgary Flames announced that they will retire legendary former captain, Drum Gamblis, number 12, on March 2nd versus the Minnesota Wild. Again, lot drafted 11th overall by the Dallas Stars in 1995, was traded to Calgary for Joe Neuendijk, recorded 625 goals, 675 assists for 1,300 points in 1,500 54 games for Calgary, Pittsburgh, Boston, Colorado, and Los Angeles. I'm not going to lie, Tim. This guy's a first ballot Hall of Famer. All the way. Re- regardless if he has a Stanley Cup or not. Well, he came so damn close to the Cup, too. And a you couple could, of times, too. Yeah, you could argue that he was robbed in Calgary. And this, most of the city still does, but... You know, yeah, the, the thing is, Tim, is that you go back and look at that... It clearly shows that Mark Jelena kicked the puck in. He tried to oh. stop, and the puck bounced off his skate and went in. Yeah, I know. But it's just, it was rough. We're going to get so much hate mail from the Calgary Flames fans now. I mean, maybe. But okay, no. uh, look, it'll just be Nick. It'll be Nick Fleehar from Beer League Talk. He'll be like, no, no, the puck clearly went in. True, true, true. But, uh... <laughs> No, uh, Aginla's definitely been, like, Aginla's been probably the second most iconic Calgary Flame. I wouldn't even, I so, would even argue the, the most iconic, but, I mean, the only thing is he doesn't have a Stanley Cup to his name, and I think Lanny McDonald, to me, is still the most iconic Calgary Flame, and, you know, there's so many guys that you could think of, especially from the 89 Flames, like Theo Fleury, Joe Newendike, like we talked about, Al McGinnis, mm. Mike Vernon, some of the really, really big-name players. So between Lanny and Iggy, hey, Calgary's got some pretty good company there. Oh, for sure. And uh, the Flames this season are looking fantastic as well. So who knows, maybe a Monaghan or a Giordano could jump onto that list. Maybe. Even a, even a Goudreau, too. A Mr. Hockey? Yeah. Mm-hmm. On to the next one. Columbus Blue Jackets pay tribute to recently retired player Rick Nash by producing a tribute video for him and letting him drop the ceremonial puck. Now, I'm not going to go into Rick Nash again because I talked about him last week. I brought up my feelings on him, but this is a really, really classy gesture by the Columbus Blue Jackets. Well, you know, like if they're willing to do this sort of stuff for him, you know he's going to be the first one of the first players retired by the franchise. Mm-hmm. Because if you were to say to somebody who is a casual viewer of hockey, the Columbus Blue Jackets. Who's the first player you think of? It's probably Rick Nash. There you go. It's probably Rick Nash. Now, the thing is, and I'm sure some smartass in the internet is going, no, it's Jody Shelley. 
No, but I think modern, like even modern day, it's probably Bobrovsky. Or Panarin. Or Panarin, or even Nick Foligno. Yeah, I think the more hardcore fans, I think, would probably bring up Foligno more. But, but yeah, to me, Rick Nash is the Columbus Blue Jackets, and I wouldn't be surprised in the next year or two if we see his number 61 go to the rafters. Oh, for sure. And I think, at least for Columbus, they'd be well-deserved. Absolutely. So, Tim, I know you're very, very disappointed about this piece of news. The NHL and NHLPA released a joint statement announcing the 2020 World Cup of Hockey has been cancelled. Both parties stated that a 2020 tournament is no longer realistic to try and schedule. Womp womp. I really just don't care, to be perfectly honest with you. Pretty much. It's like, they took away the best part of the tournament, which was Europe versus the Europe and North America rookie teams. So, yeah. I don't give a rat ass. I don't, I don't, yeah, I agree. I don't really care either. Unless they do what your idea was, where you get the best NHLers and play them in a tournament versus the best KHLers. That would be interesting to watch. Yeah, yeah, like a Summit Series. Yeah. would be sick. Yeah, I'd watch that. Yeah, yeah. Following the Maple Leafs loss to the Colorado Avalanche, which saw the Leafs fans boo defenseman Jake Gardner, a clearly emotional Gardner spoke to the media after the game, stating that being booed on home ice isn't something he's heard before. Yeah. Well, I Go mean, ask Dion Phaneuf and Phil Kessel how that must feel to get booed on home ice. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, yeah, the Leafs, Leafs faithful, sorry, the Leafs faithful are ruthless, especially when things aren't going right. Mm-hmm. They're almost as and, bad as the Habs fans, man. The Habs fans are just fucking ruthless to the players, especially if you're French Canadian. Yeah, especially, especially. But like for tr- and this is especially rough for this year's incarnation of the Maple Leafs that are riding riding percentages hardcore. Like they shot up the standings in part due to luck, and now they're troughing due to luck. Because mm-hmm. what do they know? They're three and seven in their last ten games. Yeah, okay. something like that. And they lost to the Coyotes last night. Eesh. Hey, the Coyotes might push back into the wild card. You never know. I know. That would just make you so giddy, Tim. It's not even funny. It means I'm right. So, Tim, do you want to talk about how John Scott almost died? I thought you were going to segue about former Coyote, not just, hey, want to talk about how a dude almost died? Well, John Scott, I don't think, played for the Coyotes, Tim. Yes, he did. Did he? Yeah, that's how he got All-Star balloted in the Pacific. No, he was with Montreal. No, he got traded to Montreal. Well, regardless, former NHLer John Scott almost died following an incident in which he fell through the ice while clearing snow off the lake for his daughters. Scott would return to the spot the following day to make an Instagram post about it. (laughs) It's lucky it was him and not his daughters. I know, but... That just really sucks, man, when you hear something about that. Even if it is from John Scott. Also, please refer to him as former All-Star John Scott. Oh, you're right, you're right, you're right. Former All-Star and former Arizona Coyote John Scott. You happy now, Tim? Yes, yes. Okay. Do you want to go on to the next story? Happily. Former Buffalo Sabres forward Patrick Berglund did an exclusive interview in his native Sweden where he revealed the reasons why he walked away from the Sabres earlier this season. Berglund stated his mental health issues as well as a loss of passion for hockey following the trade to Buffalo were the reasons for his decision while adding he has no regrets as well as apologizing to the Sabres for his decision. Have you ever just 
gotten so depressed that you have to move to Buffalo that you can't play your favorite thing anymore. Oh, it's just the worst, Tim, isn't it? Yeah, like, you know how they have, like, seasonal affective disorder? They're going to have to come up with Buffalo affective disorder. Oh, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, given it doesn't matter which team in Buffalo you're playing for, whether it's the Bills, the Sabres, the Bison. I don't know. I don't know what other minor league team they might have down there. Has Buffalo even won a Stanley Cup? Nope. They've been to the finals twice, never won it. And obviously, you know, the Bills went to four straight Super Bowls, lost them all. And believe me, if you want to piss off a Sabre fan, just tell them that, hey, Brett Hall's goal still counts. Damn. It could be worse. It could have been wide right. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Tim, let's go on to our next story. Vegas Golden Knights. Marc-Andre Fleury was called out by Winnipeg Jets fans, calling him a cheater after he attempted a tactic in which he built a snow wall in front of the crease to slow down pucks heading towards the empty net while being down 2-1. to one. Huh. Yeah. That is cheeky. Don't do that. Yeah. But you gotta love you gotta love the Winnipeg fans that called him out on that though. Why? Why well you gotta think about it. If this was any other market, they probably wouldn't have even noticed that he did that. But since it's Winnipeg True. and Winnipeg fans are very passionate and they're very educated hockey fans, they're like, hey, don't be doing that. Yeah. Bad no, that's work. good on them. Yeah. Okay, let's go into our next story, and it's time to start talking about some fake Twitter accounts, Tim. Uh-huh. Flyers insider Sam Karchati got duped by a fake Twitter account of TSN's Bob McKenzie announcing a trade between the Flyers and Edmonton Oilers, of which Wayne Simmons was traded to the Edmonton Oilers for Cam Talbot and Jesse Pugliarvi. Karchati checked with the Flyers, who denied the rumor, as well as Bob McKenzie himself. In defense of the flyer of the Flyers commentator, that does sound like a Shirelli trade, but he should have checked before he tweeted. Due dili- always do your due diligence. That's true. I mean, you know, it could have been worse. It could have been like Elliot Friedman tweeting that out. Oh geez. We're gonna get some gold to talk about with Elliot Friedman this week. Oh yeah. Yes we are, Tim. It's gonna be great. Oh, Shirelli, Jesus. Well, Tim, I've got to tell you, man, you can't say the NHL is not giving us stuff to talk about. Uh-huh. Okay, That's... frustrations broiled over in National Predators practice when teammates Kevin Falana and Victor Ardvinson were needed to be separated by Predators defenseman P.K. Subban. I mean, I guess the huh. Subban, you know, fights and practice isn't really a not an uncommon place given his time in Montreal, except he wasn't involved in it this time. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, you don't usually see that from teams that are on top of the standings. Or at least they're not reported. Uh, it's, it does happen, but it's not as widely reported. I remember when the Seahawks came off their Super Bowl victory, and like the next training camp, there were fights that broke out in training camp. Although I guess training camp's a little different because you're trying to prove you got a wa- that you you have a case for a roster spot. Case in point, Pat Sealoff. Yeah. Oh God, can you imagine Tim? In six weeks, he's going to be our cover athlete. Is he the only option? Yep. 
Well, that'll be an interesting discussion. Yeah. Hey, what's, what significant things this guy done? Oh, yeah, he just uh, ended Clark MacArthur's career. No, oh. he's a point-per-game player, Tim. Come on, don't... Thanks for the side. Yeah, don't, uh, you know, don't fog up the facts here, bud. True, true, true. Yeah. Dell Stars forward Alexander Radloff got into an altercation with Stars head coach Jim Montgomery on the bench during their game versus Los Angeles. Radloff was benched halfway through the first period after he had take after he had talked back to Montgomery. Radloff would agree with his decision when asked about it by reporters after the game. Wow, this Dallas Stars team is really a shit show right now, eh, Tim? And that just really goes to tell you how shit the West is. That they're in a wild card slot. I mean, it could be worse. They could have been part of the Pacific Division. I mean, yeah, you mean where Vancouver's actually in one of their three allocated playoff spots? Yep. Jesus Christ. I mean, how does it go right now? Is it like San Jose and then like everybody else? I don't know. Well, it's San Jose, Vegas. Sorry, no. Calgary, San Jose, Vegas, everyone else. Yeah, I can. Oh, that's right. I totally did forget Vegas is in that division too. Yeah, no. So there's like three very, very good teams in that division. And then, then there's everybody else. Everyone else. Yeah, and, it's sort of like our division right now. Yeah. Well, I mean, the Habs aren't doing too bad. You got to give it to them. They could leapfrog Toronto. Or was Toronto one of the everyone else? Hmm. If you look at them on paper, you know, I would say no, but how they're playing, eh. I mean, this is what happens when you don't have a real blue line, Tay. That's true. That's true. I mean, hell, look at Ottawa right now. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Montreal Canadiens forward Paul Byron has been suspended three games for charging Florida Panthers defenseman Mackenzie Wigner. I didn't get a chance to look at this play. It's one of those plays that it's not really gray and white. It didn't, or not gray and white. It's not in black and white for me because I watch it. And I'm thinking, okay, if you look at the replay, it does look like there's intent to hit the head. I don't think that was Byron's prerogative to do that. I think he was trying to hit him right in the shoulder and he actually um, caught him up high. But it was principal point of contact, the head, right? Yes. Eh, I still think that's a fair suspension. I think so. Like, if you're going to call every time someone goes up high, you're going to see people doing less risky hits. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something the NHL needs. That is true. And, I mean, they are cracking down on that kind of stuff. So you got to give them that. But I don't know about this next suspension, though. National Predators forward Ryan Johansson has been suspended two games for his high stick on Mark Shifley of the Winnipeg Jets. Now, the only reason I'm bringing that up is because I got a chance to watch the clip and it looked like Shifley hit him and then Johansson was just following through getting his stick down and he cracked him. Yeah. I don't know. I don't really know about that one. I didn't look too close, but it does kind of, like he kind of, I don't know. It's, it's hard to suss out intent. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't mind. Well, Tim, we have got 
seven trades to talk about to close out top of the air. And we're going to talk about the biggest trade of the week. Minnesota Wild have traded Nino Niederreiter to the Carolina Hurricanes for Victor Rask. Niederreiter recorded nine goals, 14 assists for 23 points in 46 games for Minnesota, while Rask recorded one goal, five assists for six points in 26 games for Carolina. I am very mixed on this because I understand it for Carolina's point of view because you get a very talented speedster. This doesn't really make a whole lot of sense for me from on Minnesota's part because you've got oh. a guy in Victor Rask who's not a bad player, but he's not Nito Niederreiter. Well, this is a case of the coach wasn't using Nito Niederreiter. They're playing a guy with first-line talent on the fourth line. But at the same, and he probably tubed Niederreiter's value. This this one's on Boudreaux. Yeah, it, it's sad, man, because Niederreiter, this is exactly what happened to him in the Islanders. Remember when he first joined the Islanders and he was, he was pretty raw, but you could tell he had the talent, but they stuck him on the fourth line and he yeah. floundered on the fourth line. Well, what's insane is uh, he's got 26 points in fourth line minutes. Like, that's good shit. Absolutely, man. And for that kind of numbers, he should have been moved up to the top six. Yeah. Like, he should have, but wasn't because... Boudreaux gonna Boudreaux, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. Well, the team that had the most notable week has got to be the Anaheim Ducks. And we're going to start off with the Anaheim Ducks have traded Andrew Cogliano to the Dallas Stars for center Devin Shore. Is he really former Ottawa Senator legend Nick Shore? I couldn't tell you. Okay. Cogliano recorded three goals, eight assists for 11 points in 46 games for Anaheim, while Shore recorded five goals, 12 assists for 17 points in 42 games for the Dallas Stars. Now, I understand this trade for both teams were in a losing streak and they needed yeah. a shakeup. For me, though, this is the only thing. It didn't make a lot of sense for Anaheim because Cogliano has been an absolute Iron Man for that team. And he's been a very, very solid bottom six center. Yeah, and Devin Shore just really wasn't producing. And I think Devin Shore is inferior to Cogliano in every way. I agree. But you could see that Cogliano was starting to lose the coach, and uh, he's definitely off pace this year. Mm -hmm. So I can kind of get why he'd be the target for this sort of do something, this is something trade. Yeah, and you but, can't say that he hasn't done anything, right? Because, you know, the Ducks went on that, what, 11, 12 game losing streak? They, they had to do something, they had to yeah, shake yeah. up the lineup. Yeah, and like it's the sort of we have to do something, this is something sort of logic. But mm -hmm. I feel like once you're starting making those sort of uh, panic trades, you're in a bad place. Yeah, absolutely. Anaheim Ducks have also traded Pontus Abberg to the Minnesota Wild for Justin Clues. Berg recorded 11 goals, 8 assists for 19 points in 37 games for Anaheim. And Clues recorded 12 goals, 18 assists for 30 points in 34 games. For the AHL's Iowa Wild. Uh, this trade is really nothing. Yeah. It's something, like, I guess. I don't know. Pontus Aberg is bad. We don't have enough data to say anything really about Justin Clues. 
Don't you mean clues? I mean, okay, I thought it was... Yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to have some fun here, Tim. Jesus. I mean, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, to me, it's a really a nothing trade other than I got to say is I get to say Pontus Aberg and clues. It is a name. Yeah, it is a good name. Anaheim Ducks have also traded Joseph Blandis to the Pittsburgh Penguins for former Ottawa Senator legend Derek Grant. Yep. Blandish recorded eight goals, 15 assists for 23 points in 27 games for your favorite team, the AHL San Diego Gulls, while Grant recorded two goals, three assists for five points in 25 games for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Nice. Yeah. But, uh, again, this is more, like, it really is rearranging chairs on the Titanic. True. And it's just really hard to kind of piece together things mid-season like, maybe Derek just had a lucky season last year. Mm-hmm. But it seems like Anaheim's tried to bring him back. So they must have liked... They must have, in retrospect, liked what they saw. True. But the only problem is, is with bringing back old players is that they generally don't work out a whole... Don't really work out. I mean, you look at Chicago, right? They brought back Brandon Saad. They brought back Patrick Sharp. They brought back the gang from their Stanley Cup years. And look where they are now. I mean, true, but we're bringing back a bottom line center. Who, frankly, has been pretty good. Like, not the greatest, obviously, but competent. He's not getting crushed in his own end. And he's putting up a small amount of points, not a lot. So, honestly, he's doing pretty well in in mostly a defensive role. So... Might as well, and the guy they traded for him probably wouldn't be. Yeah, fair enough. Vancouver Canucks have traded Michael Delzato to the Anaheim Ducks for Luke Shen and a late-round draft pick. Delzato recorded one goal, three assists for four points in 23 games for Vancouver, while Shen recorded two goals, eight assists for 10 points in 22 games, once again for your favorite team, the AHLs, San Diego Gulls, and eight games for the Anaheim Ducks. Luke Shen's been devoted to the AHL? Yup. That's actually hilarious. God, he, I can't believe he was drafted above Eric Carlson, but... Jesus Christ. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't really get why Vancouver did that. Like, I get they wanted to get out from underneath uh, Michael Delzato, but this isn't the way to do it. No. Oh, God. I'm, I'm going to quickly look up the 20, 2008 draft, the year that Luke Shen was drafted, and we're going to talk... Well, I'll bring up the players that were drafted before him. Or, sorry, after him, I should say. Okay, let's Many. Here. Okay, Luke Shen, fifth of Laurel. So, Nikolai Filatov, Colin Wilson, Michael Bodker, Josh Bailey, Cody Hodgson, Kyle Beach, Tyler Myers, Colton Taboo, Zach Boychuk, and Eric Carlson. There's some good names in there. Oh, and Jake Gardner was drafted by Anaheim. Ah! <laughs> and Michael Del- Delzano was drafted 20th by New York. Honestly, that's not as bad as Karma, but also not as bad as Luke fucking shh. Well, you know then- what? Guess how many of these people in 22? Jordan Everly. True. Could have been like, oh, you know, Jordan Everly. He could have gone to any of these teams. 
Except Ottawa, you know, that Eric fellow, he seemed to work out pretty good for us. I mean, yeah. 100%. But, yeah. like, I get why like, Vancouver did this. Yeah. Oh, I totally get it. And I'm not trying to say that I don't, but... Salary dump, but... Yeah, pretty much. Near it's green, just funny. Sorry. Go ahead, Tim. Pardon? No, I said, go ahead, Tim. I, th- I knew you were trying to say something there. I was like, nope, I'm going to stop and let him finish. It's really funny, I w- but if he actually suits up for them for the rest of the season, in any games for the rest of the season, I'll be very disappointed with the Canucks. Yeah. New York Rangers have traded Cole Schneider to the National Predators for Connor Brickley. Schneider recorded 13 goals, 12 assists for 25 points in 36 games for the AHL's Hartford Wolfpack, while Brickley recorded 7 goals, 4 assists, and 11 points in 39 games for the AHL's Milwaukee Admirals. This is a great trade, Tay. I'm really excited. Yeah. I mean, you know, both teams are really getting some quality players. Maybe some shake-up. Hell, they might even win a Calder Trophy, you know. Or a Calder Cup, I should say. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Very relevant. Yep, very much so. Let's close out top of the hour with the Philadelphia Flyers have traded Taylor Lear to the Buffalo Sabres for Justin Bailey. Lear recorded 10 goals, 9 assists for 19 points in 34 games for the AHL's Lee... High Valley Phantoms, while Bailey recorded 9 goals, 11 assists for 20 points in 37 games for the AHL's Rochester Americans. Interesting. Didn't Justin Bailey used to play for us? I actually don't know. I thought, yeah, didn't we have a Bailey at one time in the minors? Was that Josh Bailey? Josh Bailey, yeah, that's who it was. I was close. Our memories are fading. I know, I know. Maybe I'll have to go back sometime and play some NHL 09 or 010 just to oh, look at all the players in the minors that never made it. So much Cody Bass. Jeff, so much Josh Hennessy. Jeff Glass. Jeff Glass. Mike Broder. Hey, that's not fair. Mike Broder made it to the NHL. For two games. Still made it. Still made it. Well, Tim, that wraps up top of the hour, which means it's time to head off into the games. And we've got three games to talk about. We've got the Avalanche versus the Senators, Senators versus the Hurricanes, and the Senators versus the Blues. But before we do that, let's hit the music. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. Okay, Tim, let's start talking about the Avalanche versus the Senators. This is a 5-2 Senators victory. Oh, it's so nice to actually talk about a win this time. Avalanche goals were scored by Nikolai Zerdov and Nathan McKinnon. Senators goals were scored by Matt Duchesne with two. Dechuckamania, finally snapping the goal streak, buddy. Mark Stone and Ryan Dezingle. Shots were 32-30 for Colorado. A fast-paced, exciting game overall. Both teams came out flying in the first period, getting a number of scoring chances. However, it was in the second period when Ottawa took over, scoring three times, and would carry the lead to the W. Let's talk about Matt Duchesne, because for my money, he was one of the best players, if not the best senator in this game, with two goals and one assist. Well, he just looked. Whenever he was on the ice, things were working. He looked fantastic. Sure, he may have been on the wrong side of the shock chart, but... Ottawa was leading most of the game. And, mm-hmm. yeah, they just, they looked good. They were clicking on all cylinders, and 
Duchesne's first goal was actually pretty nice. Oh, that was a nice goal. I really, really like that. Although, him getting the empty and at the end was pretty nice, too. Yeah, to me, it's, it's not how you score him. All that matters is that you got it in the end. So, uh, what's your opinion of six-on-four power plays? Six-on-four power plays? I mean... That's a tough one, because it really depends... It depends on the team, depends on what's going on. I feel that if you're down by a couple of goals, I like the six-on-four power play because it gives you the opportunity to get back in it. I don't like it if you're in a lead and you're just trying to pad it. To me, that doesn't seem right. I don't know why I feel that way. But the six-on-four power play, if you were down by, say, two goals, I'm absolutely okay with it if you're trying to tie the game up. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I feel like uh, Colorado actually came pretty close there. Yeah, yeah, and they didn't they didn't play a bad game overall. I feel like they played really well, but you can tell that they really took their foot off the gas at a certain part of the game, and that's when Ottawa decided to take over. Yeah, and then once Ottawa got those three goals, they kind of coasted a bit. That's true, and that's how Nathan McKinnon scored in the third period. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about Brady Chuck snapping his 11-game goalless streak. Man, you know, I just feel so... I'm so glad that he finally scored because and we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks. The guy has been just so snake-bitten. And we were talking about it on the show, but again, man... And he's not... He's doing everything right. That's the funny thing about it, is that if he was not doing everything right, if he wasn't in the right positioning, we could point that out and be like, this is why he's snake-bitten. But the fact that he's in the slot, he's doing everything right, I'm just really glad that he finally got a goal. Yeah, and it's funny because uh, his goal wasn't from his office either. No. It was actually, like, it was a nice, good shot from this, from in close, but not right up in front of the net. So, honestly, great for him for finally being able to break that. And hopefully that's, bring, hopefully that's uh, an indication of more to come. Mm-hmm. And that's why we use the Tachukamania theme song, because Tachukamania is running wild. Nice. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about Anders Nielsen. 30 saves, a .938 save percentage. This is another solid outing for him. And Nielsen has really turned it on over the last several games for me. Yeah, I've been very happy with his play, but uh, I don't want to give him a content contract. No, no, just... absolutely not. Because and we've seen in the past with an Andrew Hammond, a Mike Condon, like you're talking about, but you know what? If we gave him an extra year or two and his play continues, I would be happy with him. I don't agree with a three-year contract, but if we can give him maybe a year or two, hey, I'd be happy if he continues to play like this. Yeah, and honestly, he had, like, when we got him from Vancouver, he had pretty, like, his numbers were solid. He was just facing adverse ice time. Mm-hmm. So I'm not surprised he's playing well, but... He's even playing well compared to those numbers, so we'll have to see what this, how this goes. Mm-hmm. And the one thing I've been really impressed with him is that he looks so calm and cool in the net in these last sub- several outings because you watch him, he's, his positioning is really good, he can, he's keeping his eye on the puck, he's making those key saves to keep his in it, and that's all that we can really ask out of him right now. Yeah, for sure. And he's he's looked good the whole way through, so Absolutely. I've been pretty yeah, and we've got another couple of games to talk about him, so I can't wait to talk about it. Uh, last note I want to make, the huh? first game back of 
Hot Sambacho! And to me, he didn't miss a beat. He got an assist. He jumped into the play a number of times. And the guy didn't even look like he was hurt out there. It was really, really a treat to watch. Well, what's awesome is, uh, did you hear them playing the Hot Sambacho song? Yes. Did you see, did you hear, I can't remember which game it was. Was it, I can't remember if it was the Hurricanes or the Blues game that the commentators actually said Hot Sambacho. I think it was the Blues. Was it the Blues? Okay. But it was funny because what's really funny about this is uh, they're pl- so Alex Marjan plays the Hot Sambacho song, right? And then they zoom in on the Colorado bench and they're just looking around like, what the fuck is this? Like, they have no idea what the hell's going on. I know, it's amazing. Yeah. Even, like, my brother, who's a Toronto fan, just looked at me one time and goes, who or what is a Hot Sam Bacho? Yeah, yeah. It's like, you'll learn. Yeah. By the way, I want to get your opinion on those NHL All-Star Game jerseys, like the the black and silver ones. I haven't seen them. Yeah. They're, they're yeah, they're not that great. I know uh, Brian Fiber 6 is rocking a Hot Sam Bacho one, but... Mm, not happy with him. Fair enough, fair enough. I'm actually fairly happy with the perform- performance from Ottawa's, I guess, shutdown line for this game, uh, Pajot, Payarvi, and Smith. They saw a lot of ice because they were pretty much hard matched up against uh, the Rantanen line. And they didn't do bad. No, they no, and keep- absolutely, even in the next game that we're going to talk about here pretty soon, I feel that they also played another decent lo- game. Although I'm not sure what the wisdom of hard-matching Borbietsky and Yaros against the Ranchinen line, sorry, the Landis Cog mckinnon Ranchinen line was, though. I don't know. I, I mean, maybe they can look at Mark Borbietsky and say, hey, we're even way better than this guy. Yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah, that it's not a lineup decision I would have made. No. But then again... I'm not a coach, so yeah. what do I know? That's why you're sitting here and talking on the third line plug cast, Tim. Pretty much. Yep. Let's head on to the next game. Senators versus Hurricanes. This is another Senators victory. Four to one Senators. Senators goals are scored by Magnus Piarvi, Bobby Ryan, Mark Stone, and Christian Wolanin. Hurricanes goals are scored by William Fogel. Shots were 34-26 for the Carolina Hurricanes. A somewhat even game. Carolina's offensive attack was strong throughout this game. However, was stoned by Anders Nielsen. Ottawa started the game flat-footed and would improve throughout the game as well as with all the bounces going their way. Let's start talking about Anders Nielsen. Once again, 33 saves, a .971 save percentage. In my personal opinion, Carolina should have won this, but it's only because of Anders Nielsen is why we ended up winning this game in the end. Mm-hmm. I didn't get a chance to watch this game, so I can't really comment, but looking at some of the shot charts, it does look like Ottawa did a fairly good job of boxing out. There's a few chances that Anders Nielsen dealt with right in front of the crease. There's the Fogle goal from the right dot, but other than that, most of the shots were outside the dots or out near the back. Not the best showing by Carolina, and uh, Rod Brindamore wasn't happy about it either. No, because I'm sure Rod Bredemer could have been like, that's it, I'm going to go put my skates on, get out there, and I'm going to play better than you guys. Well, he this was uh, Nino Niederreiter's first game with the Canes, and uh, Rod Brindemore apologized to Niederreiter. Really? I didn't know about yeah. that. Yeah, he was like, yeah, this was a bad show, and they sh- 
they should have played better for a new, for the first game with a new teammate, but here we are. Shabbat and DeMello looked really good. Yes, they did. And actually, one defenseman that I was surprised didn't look like hot garbage with two assists, Cody Cece. Well, I mean, he got eaten alive by their top line, but that's a different story. Yeah, but again, compared to how the hot garbage he's played throughout the season, eh. Yeah, I guess you're right. He didn't look like total hot garbage. He was still not very good, but, you know, you know, I got to bring up his name positively once in a while, Tim. True. I don't even understand why Borowiecki was on the bench for this game. He played seven minutes. Yeah, I think, I don't know what the decision about Borowiecki anymore is. And the fact that it's like in the past couple of seasons, I've always been a defender of Mark Borowiecki, given that he seems to be a real heart and soul kind of guy. He would do anything for the team, but his skills are just not translating anymore to the game as the game has gotten faster and you can tell that he is not, or his skills are not inadequate. His skills are inadequate now to the game. Yeah, and I think probably what's going to, Going forward, I wouldn't be surprised if Borbietsky is just seventh defenseman or ends up in, like, a Chris Neal role or something. Oh, God. Don't tell me they're going to put him back on the fourth line, Tim. You remember how mad Sen's Twitter was when that happened? I mean, you could... Do you really want to go back to those kind of days? Yeah, true. Although I did think it was... They could always do what they did with Chris Neal during the playoffs. Play him for two minutes, and he does something crazy. Yeah, like tries to fight I, Tanner Glass. You mean murders Tanner Glass? Well, Tanner, Tanner Glass just sort of ragdolled, though. He didn't even try and fight him. Yeah. But goddamn, did Chris Neal crazy hell. Oh, I know. Like, I love Chris I Neal. I don't care what Bonk Smollett says. I'm, I don't think it actually helped, but... No, there was something but it was satisfying. so great to see him in the lineup, finally. For sure. Yeah. One comment I want to make, and I wish... Since Twitter did not ruin this for me, after uh-huh. Magnus PRV scored, he fell on his ass. Oh, yeah. And I, I did laughed. he see what Craig Medallia did? No. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it was like a Hadouken or something that happened to him. Yeah, it was a Blanca from Street Fighter 2 knocking him down. Um, yeah, I, I think it was. I think it was Craig that was the one who ruined it for me because that was who I saw on Twitter. And I yeah, didn't yeah. get a chance to watch the game because... You know, I was at work, and I looked on Sen's Twitter as soon as I was getting off work, and I noticed that. I was like, huh, how about that? Another game? Another goal for Bobby Ryan. That was the next note I got. One goal, four shots. Bobby Ryan has quietly been playing pretty decently over the last several games, and I would even see throughout this whole season, he's been... I don't think the attention's really been on Bobby Ryan for how solid he's actually played throughout this season. He really hasn't gotten injured, at times, you can tell that, you know, his confidence isn't there. But over the last several games, his confidence has gone through the roof. And it shows on the ice. Yeah, and, like, Bobby Ryan played. Like, I thought he played a really good game. Uh, he was on the right side of the puck and was roared with a goal. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't really like the Pajot line this game. Uh, but then again, if you're playing... If you're going into the teeth of Law Carolina shoots shoots everything forever, then that's going to happen. Um, other than that, 
Well, Thomas Shabbat had a fantastic game. Yes, he did. And also, I don't really like those Carolina jerseys. No? No, I don't li- I don't know what it is about just black with red. I don't know. I mean, I'm not crazy about it. I understand that our first jerseys were black and red, but they later added the white stripe, and that was kind of cool. I think you need a third color with red and black. Yeah, and you know what? Even Ottawa recognized that after our first season. That's when they added the white stripe to the... I think they added that to the away jersey? Yeah. Either their second or third year that they did that? Yeah. Yeah, that was... Remember when the Holmes jerseys used to be the white jersey? Yeah, I know. It seems so weird going back to look at those clips and being like, what the hell are they wearing a white... Oh, yeah, that's right, because white used to be the home jersey. I, I get it. I never liked it. I prefer it this way. I've got no preference, to be honest with you. I'd rather the home team be the more colorful one, honestly. True. And it allows you to do cool things like the Orange Crush. Oh, that is, that is true, Tim. Yeah. Let's go into our third final game. Senators versus Blues. This is a 3-2 to two Blues victory. Senators goals are scored by Nick Paul and Magnus Piarvi. Blues goals are scored by Vladimir Tarasenko, Vince Dunn, and Carl Gunnarsson. Shots were 38-30 for the St. Louis Blues. A pretty even game overall. Both teams played a strong 2 way game throughout with solid D and plenty of scoring chances. Despite this... Ottawa didn't start the second period strong, but were able to recover. So this was Craig Anderson's first game back from injury. 35 saves, a .921. He did show some rust early in the game, but I feel overall he actually played pretty well, all things considered. Yeah, and this is a game that, honestly, I don't think Ottawa should have lost. No. This, I, I'm still salty. Yeah, because overall, like, I thought... The Senators had a really good team effort out there. And there's too many players, like I mentioned. Shabbat, I thought, played well. Duchesne, I thought, played well. Ryan, I thought, played well. There's too many guys that played well. Yeah. But it's a shame well, that we ended up not getting the like W. Willannon. Willannon looked great. Willannon. And that's another guy that, since he's been called up, and he's a guy that, when you brought this up last week about Christian Willannon, I kept my eye on Willannon throughout the games so I can actually mention it, right? And I'm thinking, okay, I'll keep my eye on Willannon. And it looks like Willannon really has stepped up to the plate since being called up. Well, I mean, remember at the end of last season, like this guy could easily step into a second line role and he's doing it again. Yep. But I think the big points that, well, the big point that we're going to talk about is St. Louis's winning goal. Actually, before we go that, I want to go into something that since Twitter didn't really talk about, the Christian Yarrow's knee on knee on Braden Shen. Now, this could be looked at for two ways. It could have been looked at as a dirty knee-on-knee hit, or it could have been looked at as a hockey play as Yaros was trying to make Shen go around him. Yeah. I think the thing, though, is like that got overlooked because earlier in the game, like Tarasenko had just like a freak brutal fall. Yeah. So it was definitely... And like during the game, it, it just kind of got overlooked in general. Like... The commentators didn't really notice it. The play went on. Yeah, but even when I was watching it, that was the one thing that I noticed. I'm thinking, that's funny. Like, I didn't hear any of the commentators talk about it. I didn't hear anybody on Sense Twitter mention it. And that's why I wanted to bring this up, because I felt that if I didn't, this would have just gone completely unnoticed. 
yeah, it's definitely a weird... It was a weird thing. It was like, this happened. Surprised no one mentioned it. Yeah. Now, the Blues winning goal. The Gunnarsson goal to make a 3-2. Anderson was upset that it counted as he thought he had it covered. Boucher did challenge, but it went against Ottawa. Proceed. This probably gets called... This probably gets frozen in any other any other arena. Oh, yeah. Like, I... I saw Mick, like Blake Mick and McCurdy trying to argue that the player still had obvious control of the puck, but from any replay, you can't tell. You gotta freeze that puck because if you allow that sort of goal to happen, you can't. You greatly reduce the goalie's ability to actually freeze the puck. Yeah, like that has to be a freeze. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny because I watched it and I'm thinking, what the hell happened there? Because it looked like. It looked like Anderson had covered it, and I didn't even see the puck pop out. It wasn't until I saw the Blues player grab it, come around the net, and throw it to Gunnarsson that I was like, oh, fuck, Anderson didn't have it. Yeah, and the fact that the play didn't go dead is, is shit. And it, it took a while for them to dislodge... It took a while for O'Reilly to dislodge the puck, mm-hmm. which is indicative of him not having control of it. Like, that's bullshit. Oh, absolutely, it was bullshit, but... You know what, Tim? Ultimately, there's not a whole lot we can do about that. And I understand that Craig Anderson was right. He was rightfully upset. But at the end of the day, and you're absolutely right, it did take him a while to to get it out and actually throw it over to Gunnarsson. Yeah, and honestly, what's nice is the Sens, the Sens responded. They just couldn't. The Like the St. Louis goalie, I'm blanking on his name now. Oh. Oh, he's a new... Yeah, he's uh, uh, Bill Benningling or whatever his name is. Bennington. He shut the door at the end of the game. Yes, he did. Like, after the Gunnarsson goal, Ottawa just really turned up the heat. And honestly, this is a game that I think Ottawa deserved a better fate. But also, do you want to talk about that St. Louis power play? Sure. That thing was dis- That thing was awful. Oh, absolutely it was awful, Tim. Like... They had possession of the puck for maybe 10 seconds. It was impressive. Ottawa was able to shift the puck back into their own and pa- do deep to deep passes between DeMello and CC before pushing it up to Pajot, then getting a four-on-three rush, cut, getting a perfect pass off to Payarvi, and Payarvi pop, popped it off his skate. Yeah, that's insane, man. And you know what's funny? I didn't even really think about that and until you mentioned it. I was thinking... That's a really good point. Their power play was fucking shit in that game, wasn't it? Like, it was beyond garbo. I don't think they even got a... Sh- they didn't even get a shot. Nah, it, Ottawa, was, it was terrible. I mean, and... You know, it's just one of those things where it's like, ugh. You know, it, it was what it was. They could have done better, but they didn't. This is kind of why the Blues season has been disappointing up to this point. Yeah. Like, yeah, Ottawa got two shots on their power play and two shots on St. Louis's power play. What the hell is that? I have no idea, Tim. <laughs> That's just awful. So, Tim, I don't have any more notes on this game if you want to head off into the close for another night. Sounds good. So- oh, excuse me. Sounds good. Sounds good. Okay. First of all, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. I hope you've enjoyed it because, believe me, Tim and I love recording them for you. You can find us on iTunes. Please listen, rate, and subscribe. We're on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash thirdlineplugsensecast. 
And because our bot day made the mention, we're on Google Play Music. You can find us on Twitter at ThirdLinePlug is our Twitter handle. Tim is at M91HoneyBadger, and I'm at GreatWhiteGipster, G-R-8-W-I-T-E, Gipster. If you want to shoot us an email to talk about what a bullshit goal the Carl Gunnarsson goal was, shoot us an email, ThirdLinePlugSoundsCast at gmail.com. Okay, Tim, so let's start talking about the games for next week. Now, we've got the Coyotes versus the Sens. That's it. All-star game. Woo. Yeah, pretty much. It's just that. It's going to be a short episode. I know, it's going to be a short episode, but you know what? How much you want to bet it's going to be our luck that we're going to have a huge top of the hour to talk about next week? Well, wouldn't that count as lucky if we... Only got a game against the Coyotes to talk about. That is true, Tim. That is true. Well, I mean, at the very least, we get to talk about Shirelli being Shirelli. I know. But here's the thing. If we go short next week, what the hell are we going to do to pad the episode? Hmm. That is a good question. What do we know about Storks? Uh, I don't know. I know a bunch about Storks. <laughs> Until next time, guys. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. Uh, this is Pit Tim Jetsy. Go, Sands, guys. Woo! So long, my time here is up. They're going home!